Hello, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today we have comedian Matt Brown joining us, as That's always. Miss Brown is in town. Miss Brown is in town. And we have a special guest, Katie Oliver, comedian, writer, actor, Regular good friend. Woman. Yeah. Sam. What's up? Yeah, Katie and I have been hanging out like twice a week since like June of 2017. <laughs> so this is just, this is a long time coming. And when Drew said, who do you want to have on, you were one of the first two or three people I thought of. Oh, because I you. knew that you had a story to tell, and you have lived enough life to, like, actually make interesting choices. And, you know, like, divert and change plans and make plans and move. And yeah. Went through a lot of different stuff that I feel like some of the other guests that we've had have just been a little too 20-something to, like, really <laughs> go there. Yeah, and totally. So this is something different. This is something fresh. This is something new. And this is a really exciting yeah. episode for, you know, people who have been listening for a while and for new listeners. Absolutely. And I always think, like, we had, so we had Derek Strong on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Who he's got, older than, he's in, like, his Yeah, but it's always nice to have people who are, like, I lived through this. And then 20 years ago, and, like, 20 years ago, I was, like, three years old. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, and it's like he was going through a thing then, you know? So the first question I always ask is, how much time have you done? Um, so you can interesting answer because I've uh, done a variety of inpatient, outpatient, um, hospitalizations, and private treatment programs. Okay. And I've also been in therapy for a really long time. I don't want to count those at the same time. Like, Just do would, hospitalizations. Yeah, I would, Oh, wow. Only two full-on inpatient. I've actually done a lot of intensive outpatient or partial hospitalization. IOP, yeah. Um, and I probably should have done inpatient a long time ago. Okay. Um, so do you want to talk about the first one or the, s- the most recent one first? Because um, I think it's important to note that these two bouts of hospitalization were about 20 years apart because you're at 14 at one and in your mid-30s at the other, if I know how to do math. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it was. Because I may uh, not. It, no, it's it been was a long day in a lot of Oh, oh my god. Um, so the first one is um, I probably don't want to have a harder time recalling because it was yeah. a lot longer yeah. ago. Um, but I um, just remember like sitting in my bedroom and it was late at night. I'm, my bedroom is in the basement and I was listening to Fiona Apple. Um, that tells you what year it was yeah. because she <laughs> plays in a park like Dave Chappelle doing like an open mic. Oh she, my god. Fiona Apple had a, a very like rounded impact. I'm on sure the she bought a three bedroom ranch cat. Three bedroom. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? I'm sure she's doing um, great for her record. But her but her kind of like husky and like powerful piano, like her grand was never like going through a, a phase. Yeah, but but it's I, feminist. And it was helpful. But I remember just sitting there and wanting to kill myself and having like a razor blade and not being able to to do anything, like to not being able to do it. Yeah. And then it's that's like a just to interrupt you, like that's like a really hard like like uh, period because I've been there 
and like not knowing like will I do it okay I gotta prove to everybody that I'm gonna do it but like it doesn't matter because I'll be dead but like I also don't there's like so much like angst when you like feel like you should do something because I don't know. I, I just think that that's like one of the hardest things is like being in between the moment of like, I know I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. Would you guys say that going through that stage is like pretty much a, a very common part or almost a mandatory part of going through suicidal ideation? Do you think everybody has that moment or do you think that you guys are uh, having common ground over something that's maybe more rare? I, I guess um, as someone who's pretty much solely lived in the ideation part of yeah. suicide, yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, you have to think about it first. It's a thought. Yeah. And that's why it's a thought you can change. Totally. And I never, I have never gotten to that point again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only point I'm I got to, to that. Thank you. I, I, I am too. I um, had a conversation with a very close family member recently, and they had expressed concern about me hurting myself, and I tried to reassure them like no 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 I just ideate it's fine right (laughs) (laughs) just like how you think about roses I think about killing myself same thing you know how you jog I'm thinking about hanging myself you know how you have dreams (laughs) about deleting emails I yeah and and that's not anything to make light of but it was it just kind of occurred to me in that moment a It's a feeling. It is. Yeah. And it's being able to get back to that 15 year old girl is a testament to the work I've done. In the that. strength that you've had yeah, to like not to work. not to let it like like go over you. But it's passive. It's not like an active like I'm going to do this. It's like I have that thought. Oh, wait, no, that's not OK. Yep. And then you kind of mm-hmm. like put it to the side. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like it's so easy to like get back into old patterns with any, even anybody who's like tried to lose weight or like done anything where they're like, I could do this, but I'm not. You know what I mean? It's like. I think it's very common, but to what Matt was asking about before, I think that it's more, it is common to have suicide ideations, but, like, mm-hmm. the, obviously there are a lot of people who have attempted suicide, so, like, the people yeah. who have, I think, get what we're talking about, where it's, yeah. like, there are so, it's not, like, an impulsive thing. Yeah, it's yeah, not, like, a, a it's while. such a, like, long, like, I feel like when I was going to, like, commit, it was almost like a relief. I was, I like, mean, I'm. Maybe it was never impulsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Hope. Totally. Deal with it. That's yeah. almost what I was asking. Like the, how many times do you think that the people empty the bottle of pills in their hand and look at it and then put it back? Right. How many times do people do you think turn on the oven and then turn it back off and say, I'm not going to stick my head in the gas? How many times do you think they close the garage door and think too long about turning the car off? Right. Because you have to stay in that place for a while. Like you said, it's not your first thought. Like where is where does it go from that turn of this is something I'm considering to I can't stop myself anymore? I like for me I never and I know people and like even in movies there's like a lot of like portrayal of um 
the like wanting to and like the taking the pills out and holding in their hand and like not doing it but for me the only time I like took pills out was when I took them you know what I mean like I never like had that like my version of that was thinking about it. Okay, you know you what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was like rehearsing in my head. Okay. It was like, oh, I could definitely Like do you that. were going to do a scene. Yeah, but it was like, exactly. And then like, yeah. I feel like the taking the pills out might be like a slight, uh, like, uh, I feel like it might be like a performance thing. Dramatization. Yeah. Yeah. Like seeing how it feels almost. Right, mm-hmm. right. But then I think that also goes into cutting because I think that that's like even like a half-ass way of like doing it because I cut like I you know what I'm saying I can talk about that I'm not gonna like shame anybody for doing that but I did that and when I cut I was like oh what if I just like kill myself you know what I mean like it's so easy to just be like what if I cut deeper than that and I know it's like obviously trigger warning for whoever's listening but like this is a mental health podcast it is but it's like that's for me personally I feel like there are so many different reasons and things. Um, of why we could be cutting yeah. themselves, but at the same time, like, we're all the same. Like, we all have, like, we all are, like, anytime my therapist, she's, like, I just want to let you know, like, you're not alone, and that anybody, any thought, same, same thoughts, exactly, <laughs> same base needs of, like, anxiety comes from not, you know, being chased around, especially being Jewish, like, being chased around yeah. for thousands of years, just like, fear. yeah, and so I think that plays a role. How many of our shitty actions come out of fear? Yeah. I mean, especially when you're a, teer, a teenager, I feel like a lot of suicide attempts and a lot of ideal, idea, uh, ideation of it and when you're a teenager is a paralyzing fear of the future. I think that's a part of it for a lot of people. Totally. Because you the feel like you've only... The so heavy right now. How can I live with right this now. for the rest of my life? You've only known your shitty parents or your shitty high school or your shitty ability at math mm-hmm. being the most important thing. It's hard to see the future when it's yeah, literally it's not there. You can't ever... And so what, when you were 15, because it's so interesting, because I was hospitalized for the first time when I was 17, so okay. like same, junior, junior, junior year, same yeah. thing. And I was also getting depressed sophomore year, so it was like. Uh, mine was fall of sophomore year, yours was winter of junior year. Yeah. Yeah, so like 16 months apart. Yeah, so what led up to, like obviously everyone knows I, my uh, thing, but. Okay. <laughs> but it's yours. It's false, but I'm going to tell everybody about it anyways. <laughs> I mean, come on. I was told that from scientists. No. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher of North Dakota, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sidebar. Just a the side note, yeah. The to coming poor in North Dakota was... I know how to divide. What the hell is this? Um, back to the hospitalization. But we, um, I, it was the fall of my sophomore year. 99? Okay. Uh, We were just conceived. Um, <laughs> Sorry. This is a long interview, baby. <laughs> I mean, first of all, that was a drag. <laughs> <laughs> you um, don't throw yourself under the bus in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you need her to be nice Sorry. for another 45 minutes. I, I had this weird <laughs> outed like her too soon. want to jump off a bridge of course (laughs) so we started like this guy and I started dating we we broke up he broke up with me and like I got I know this sounds really silly but like I got a really bad haircut and 
I felt like so much less confident in who I was. Yeah. You lost your 16 year old mom. I, 15. 15. Um, <laughs> Get no, it straight. I, just, I got to a point where, for the first time in my life, and granted, I hadn't had a very hard life up to that point, but for the first time in my life, I really felt hopeless, useless, uh, of no worth to anyone. Um, I felt like I was taking up space and not really mm, doing anything. Yeah. Squandering That's the worst. Um, yeah. Not a good advertisement for heterosexuality, I would say. It really isn't. He's a priest now. Um, <laughs> oh, serious? A Catholic priest? Mm-hmm. You dodged a bullet there. Like, he broke up with you and said there is yeah. no pussy on planet Earth. Oh, my God. He was so bad at it. Oh no! Oh no! Just a little poke. Oh, I remember trying to guide him. When you take a bath. Oh, chest, once you, you have to guide them, you know it's over. He like would be fine for two seconds, and then would just be like bone, bone, bone. Oh no! <laughs> God. But no, I just it, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> so, like one night, it was a Wednesday. I had like gone to bed, and I had been just really sad, mm-hmm. really, really sad, and I didn't know what else. Eventually, I fell asleep and woke up and went to school, and then, like, halfway through second period, I went to my, not my guidance counselor, my chaplain, to go into a Catholic school. Oh, they don't have no guidance counselor. Um, They did, but I wasn't applying for college, so what, everything else would go to the Lord. Um, (laughs) (laughs) College isn't handled by the Lord. (laughs) Only suicidal ideations are. (laughs) Mrs. H. Property of Jesus, you are mine. Um, she called both my parents. They came up to the school. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. What'd you tell Mrs. H? Um, I, I, well, I said I want to kill myself. Okay. Catholics take that seriously. You got their attention. Yeah. yeah. Like, not me. They were worried about. My you must family. not. So this is the sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a rabbi would have said, "Listen, I can make an appointment." Yeah. <laughs> he would literally send me like antidepressants. It'll be Aww. fine. Oh, our ra- oh my god, a rab- rabbi and, like, our religions are, like... Oh, like, I thought you were talking about your rabbi. I was like, oh, any rabbi that, like, I would have gone to would have been, like, I have a therapist. Call her on Tuesday. You're going to be okay till Tuesday. Promise me. A- but that's how... You know, that's the difference, yeah. though. It's very... It's a, it's well, a different... A were you telling them because you honestly felt it or because you knew that would grab them? Because it's... That... that I wanted to um, ask that, too. You could say you're both. you're 15. Like, you know, there's a thousand I, just, I mean, honestly, I, I I, just wanted to grab them. Okay. That's fair. That's valid. That's valid. You're a teenager. It's 1997. You don't know. Um, and they put me in the psych ward. And I was there. And, I, like, I, they put me on a 72-hour. But, like, the psych ward in Bismarck at the hospital, the Catholic hospital I went to. Once again. Um, like, a, a guy I went to high school with who was an upperclassman. He worked the front desk there, so like when my parents brought my clothes, like he went through all my shit to make sure there wasn't like razor blades and stuff. Oh, so everybody at school now had to. I mean, I respect him. He's a doctor now. I I don't think he told anyone. That's beautiful. But like I remember him this picking up like my big granny panties and just like because I saw him in the office. He's just waving around like everything on your. <laughs> oh my god. He's a good dude. I um, but it was just that kind of place, and I remember like all my siblings called me. And how many of them are there? Uh, I grew up with five older siblings. 
Oh my god. And now I have three wow. stepsisters as well. Catholicism. Oh my god. See, my step situation is like I got more siblings after you got like you already had siblings well, and then the thing is I was I'm the youngest of six. Okay. But Joe was six kids, came from three different marriages. Okay, so it's it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah. some I'm not gonna be like yeah. You were a youngin. I was youngin. I was like 15. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really was think I was looking for attention. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I didn't know how to ask for it. You come from a big family. Attention's hard to come by. Your mom was in school a lot of your childhood? Yeah, yeah. And I'm proud of that. I'm, you know, thankful for all of the sacrifices they made. But at the same time, and it took me a long time to be able to say this, like, I didn't get what I was looking for. Yeah. You didn't really want to learn about your period on TV, but, you know, it's whatever. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We're past it now. And you don't know why you're when acting when out. Did I realize I didn't get what I needed exactly. as a kid? Exactly. Oh, uh, maybe two years ago. I've heard you talk about on other podcasts how you only feel like you've started to come into like your agency of who you are and like being in the driver's seat of your life till about thirty five. Yeah, like 20 years later after yeah, the first one. It really was like a reset. It really was uh, one of those things that didn't accrue to me for a really long time. Yeah. And like, when was the moment you realized it? Um, I was in, I was at my second hospitalization. And I wouldn't call it hospitalization because more like living death. Okay. Um, How long were you there? I was there for 31 days. Okay. And I did uh, extensive trauma work and addiction work. And, and were you ready for it? Like when, yeah, like when yeah, you went there, were you sent? Like how did it happen? Before. Yeah, was okay. it up to you? You needed rehab just to take the train ride. Oh. And that was really the first time in my life that I dissociated. 
it got to a point where I disassociated so hard that I was like, I need a higher level of care. So So um, you put you disassociated when you had the self awareness. I mean once I came out of it, yeah. Three days later. You are not alone. Also, Call me I've on done, the phone. I uh, had done a lot of partial hospitalization or intensive outpatient treatment, uh, but I'd never really done inpatient. So, um, Katie, I know I've listened to another podcast, uh, Beef Casper's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard you talk about more in depth on like your second hospitalization that happened when you were in your 30s. And I was just sort of wondering what that experience was like to sort of go through like a rehab and mental health uh, treatment like program at the same time as an adult. Um, and then also, like, what was your family's role in that? Because I can imagine, like, when you are 32, 34, 36, and trying to get your shit together, like, you have a big family, you have two parents, like, and step-parents, like, there's a lot of different reactions I'm sure you got, and I just want to know what that was like, because it's a very um, unique experience, and I think a lot of people who listen to this would, you know, yeah. really get something out of it. For sure. Um, well, I, I will say this. Um, Okay. Um, that was kind of, it's kind of hard to explain this to people who've done most mental illness. That was like the last stop um, on that kind of weird, uh, like, I went to that in late March, and but in the August, the year before, uh, some blocked sexual trauma from my childhood had come out, mm-hmm. and I had tried to work on it in therapy and done EMDR and I worked mm. with a wonderful therapist um, and eventually everything got so bad I ended up losing my job and in late January and then started a partial hospitalization program mm-hmm. uh, early February and had been making good progress because mm-hmm. I was for the first time addressing binge eating, trauma, addiction, uh, I, suicidal ideation, like all under one umbrella of the, yeah. the DMT model. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> DBT model, yeah. not DMT uh, model. Okay, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. um, no, DBT. Dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh, fuck. Um, Last fucking thing we need. But the more I dealt with the, uh, the sexual trauma that I had, the more I would start to like lose time. And at that point, what do you mean by that? Like, I didn't know really what was happening in the moment, but I know later on I, I have a name for it. It's called disassociation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're saying during. Yeah, it's like it was a day program, and I would get home at night after having, like, a really good day. Uh-huh. Uh, like, I don't want to say good therapy, but, yeah. like, therapy where I really felt like I dealt with stuff. Mm-hmm. And then right. I would get on a pace bus to go to a train, to go to another train, to go to another train, to get home. And like, 
it was during those dark winter months, and I feel like I would do all this work and leave and then just kind of sit in darkness. So I was in the partial hospitalization program, and then I started doing some real work on the, on the set block sexual trauma, and from there I started disassociating and drinking in a really reckless way and in a way that was really damaging to myself. And eventually I got to a point where I said, okay, I need a higher level of care. Do you think right. when you were going through that partial hospitalization that dealing with the childhood sexual trauma brought out like the dissociative identity disorder diagnosis? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go so far, and again, I am not an expert, I wouldn't yeah. give myself the diagnosis. I think I was going through the disassociative space because I was dealing with something okay. that I'd never dealt with before. Um, so it was triggered by a specific trauma, and it just put you in completely different mental states. Correct. Okay. okay. At, le at least that's how it feels to me. Okay. And I guess through all of this work and all of the work that I've done, the only thing I can truly say is I trust how I Mm -hmm. And I know what rings true for me. It's the only reality you're ever going to have. So do you feel like even, do you think that you got to know yourself better and that better because you went to those therapy programs or because you were just older? Or was it a combination of both? Um, I think it was a combination of both. Um, I think, uh, not I think, I, I know with all fighter, every fighter of my being that I'm incredibly lucky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because when I called my family, or at least when I called my mother and said, I need a higher level of care, their only question was, okay, what do we need to do? Okay, so they were... Completely supportive. That's beautiful. Wow. And Isn't that the best? It, it, it truly is. Where I were mean, you living at the time? I was living in Chicago. Okay. I'd been in Chicago for a little over five years. Okay. Wait, where? At her sister's right. house. I was a debutante. Oh, I was like, what show was this? Oh, just a, just a social gathering. Yeah. Sister's New Year's Eve party, which is, I'll bring you, it's, it's a I'll good time. We didn't tell anybody I was 19 until after they liked me. Yeah. It was one of those. Yeah. Of those. That took about 30 seconds. But you were, going, you were going to your sister's house. I was, I, I was actually at my sister's house, um, sitting outside having a cigarette, and I called my mom, and I just said, I remember it's the day after St. Patrick's. I said, Mom, I need a higher level of care. And she said, okay. And she has been sober since 1999. Okay. Is so she involved in a program or does she just um, stay sober? She is. She's involved in AA. Okay. Do you feel like that helped her know how to support you? I feel like it worked for her. Yeah. Because, I um, And not to like even cut you off, but I think that that does help just because I have family that's in AA, but they're also in Al-Anon too. So they like get the like. The other side of it of, okay, this is not only how an alcoholic in my family will affect me, but how I as an alcoholic can affect my family because it's all. addicts in your family to where they do it for their own personal reasons as well, or is it purely in the context both. of their own? Okay. Both. It's good that they're doing it for multiple reasons because they're right. attentive and it's more effective. Yeah. So the people yeah. in my family that go to that program specifically, they personally have addiction issues and then so do their kids. So, well, and um, then, um, 
magazine in our bathroom, like way before, way before she got sober. This is not like even in our bathroom, just like around the house. Yeah. Um. So. I gotta stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and it like, it's so legendary, even that. But um. So. These whiskeys get sucked. When I just when I decided to go inpatient, I uh, did intakes at about fifteen different places. Oh my God! What do you mean in the area? No, no, no. Um, I had and still do have, thank you to my mother, um, very good insurance mm-hmm. and um, Blue Cross BPO. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. All three of us are doing just uh, okay. Does a Jew know? <laughs> Only me, baby. Okay. But so she has blue. I had to call it. Oh. The PPO, not the HMO. What does Never your dad do? What am I going to do with the health savings plan? I yeah. ask you. I'm never going to write off my tampons. So I'm never going to write off my tampons. So you went to 15 different. No, I, um, I did phone. Phone I, interviews. So intakes for I like 15 did, different places. I okay, that makes sense. You'd been things. through the state, I've baby. <laughs> if we do this halfway, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I looked at places like Hazelden. Yeah. Uh, my brother went there, too. Yeah. a very reputable place, and I've, yeah. I've known a lot of people who've been successful through there. Mm-hmm. But I was specifically looking for dual diagnosis. So I... Um, That's how everything should be, by the way. Because nobody's just an addict because they're an addict. They're usually start right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're not an alcoholic because. Have you ever heard somebody go like, "I have depression," and like not have anxiety or any other type of thing? It's like or like not having gained and lost the same forty pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So I um I I had a like I was I had a list of like ten questions I asked every place and. So you were really committed to getting you better. You were self-managing yeah. your entire Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted no, to, that's awesome. You were like, you were taking care of yourself. I, thank you for the reminder. Um, but, like, yeah. Because <laughs> people I do was? That. The decisions made for you because you're in no capacity to do it. And I'm, I've always been very lucky to, like, they, they led this horse to water and I knew to drink. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You were ready. Yes. Um, you were ready. <laughs> Drink it up, bitch. <laughs> it's time. This water. Nice but slow. the question I asked, the, my last question I asked every place that I did an intake with was, what does an average day look like for your life? Mm-hmm. Tell me about these 12 hours. Yeah. And everyone, like every place gave very formal and well thought out answers. And the place I ended up going, um, the reason I ended up going there after a lot of deliberation was, uh, we don't know what your day is going to look like until we do an intake with you and see what you are focused on working on. Wow. We got to find out what So we're not going to force you. Because that, okay, and just to speak to that, because I want to ask you about your experience. 100%. But I went to a program that was like that, and it was, but it, no, it was not, it wasn't, the one that saved my life, it wasn't group therapy, it was individual therapy. It so like, like we each had, rehab. it was like we each had our own office in the, place okay. and then we each had like like a study room and they'd where be like did, where did you go i went to rogers and skokie and it was the one that saved my life because it was all about like exposure therapy for ocd and eating oh, wow. disorders okay. and so like okay. my day would look very different we had group therapy like once a week and i was there five days a week so like it was not common 
like group stuff and like I barely knew people in the group I'm like she's you know got this thing going on but I didn't really know that much we had a small group element every day that was awesome Mm -hmm. and I also should say um the place I went um I went in like late March through early May okay and or sorry early April through early May and um they had been sold in October to like a larger corporation Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it's like now. Okay. I know that when I went there, yeah. there were 12 of us. Oh, it was small. It was very small. And I Shit. formed very, it was an old seed ranch uh, in okay. Arizona. It's for like Dr. Uh, Phil senses. He senses. never sent them there. I actually occasionally like. You're like, I made sure. Dr. Phil's patients were. You got right. I'm here to listen. <laughs> I mean. I they, lived in my car once. It is okay. <laughs> I don't like them. Nobody does. Not even Oprah. We, I went there kind of primarily because they had um, EMDR and they also had somatic experience therapy. Okay. okay. Which is a way to process trauma through the body. Oh, that's so cool. And the guy that did, that administered the somatic experience therapy um, learned from the person who developed the practice. Whoa! That's so cool. And it sounds so weird and so fucking out there, but to explain my my experience with somatic experience therapy, you would think I'm bonkers. Cause no, but I know what somatic means, and if for people who don't know it, it's like if you've ever heard of like psychosomatic symptoms, it's where your mind quote quote. Yeah, causes your body issues. So if your stomach hurts as a result of you feeling anxious, that's psychosomatic. So yep. somatic therapy would be treating your psyche Things through the that body, are like held in your body through right. trauma. Right. And what was the goal? So like, give me an ex- one example. If you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the sessions that we had, we were uh, like, I was literally trying to explain how my chest felt as I was being like pulled up like into like a form of like form of anxiety uh-huh and the oh, like the only way that i could visualize it in my mind is i was like you know those big strings and they have flags on them like they have at carnivals mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking about like the strings that hang up a flag yeah, yeah but yeah, like yeah. the triangle flags where there's like flag 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 oh like the black ones yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it felt like that was coming out of my chest. It mm. was a very weird... Metaphor. Did you visualize it, or did you feel it? Um, both. Because oh. I, like, it was a state of partial hypnosis, and my okay. eyes were closed, and that's, that's so cool. Like. I'm so into, like, I, I, dreams, um, I and... I had my uh, first in-person therapy session today since March. That's awesome, doing, Katie. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. We're doing EMDR, which is, like, a way to... Emotional uh, meridian. It's like eye desensory motor. E- motor response? <laughs> motor, yeah, I think it's motor response. My sister's trained in it because she's a licensed clinical social worker. Basically, what happens she is. She went to camp for a week to learn how to do it. <laughs> You're like, I should know the acronym at least for this. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Paddle, it, what we do is there's a paddle in each of my hands. Okay. And it vibrates left, right, left, right. And that feeling will help you get to your subconscious. And is it supposed to like provide some sense of relief? Like, is what's the goal of? That's how I got to the point of remembering, like, (gasps) 
Okay, okay, keep going, keep going. The sexual assault that happened in my childhood that kind of started all of the, that was the snowflake that started the boulder of all of this. Yeah. Um, what happened was my therapist, who I'd been seeing for about four years, um, had kind of asked me a few times, like, is there sexual assault in your past? And I said, no, 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 there really isn't. And then one day I just said, sometimes I wonder if there's sexual assault in my past. And she said, people who have that don't wonder that so I started started EMDR and we started it and it's like I could explain and describe everything about the situation around me but I could not tell you the details (gasps) oh my god when I'm saying like that kind of stuff um it's just really interesting to me I've gotten more into it recently just because um I like recently got into a bike accident got hit by a car so I and I don't remember like fully what happened. Yeah. Well, and I got I, yeah. I, got, um, I have a memory as a as like a twelve year old leaving the YMCA. A friend left in front of me. I was gonna meet them at a track meet, and the next thing I knew, I woke up in a hospital. That was when I was like eleven or twelve, and like. Do you know why? What? No one knows what happened. Like no one knows what happened. I don't know if I. <laughs> When you got to the hospital, did you have any injuries? Um, well, I the only like I remember leaving the YMCA and then like four blocks south of that, or somewhere in between the YMCA and this middle school I was going to, um, and then the next thing I remember, I woke up in the hospital, and I I can remember uh, talking before I can remember waking up. I remember asking for Liz. Okay. I remember asking for Liz and apologizing for ruining our trip to Florida because we'd just gotten back from Disney World. Um, it's weird. Brain yeah. stuff is weird. Sorry, the, the, I digress. Yeah, that's very No, no, it's just, yeah, because I, cause I got hit from behind, so, like, I didn't see it coming at all, so that's why, for me, I'm like, I wish I could have been like, oh, the car went like this, and then I did this, and then that's why I got hit. I yeah, was like, no, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, that's why I want to know what happened, and I was – biking and then literally all I remember is going like this like left and just getting hit and flying so I don't know like I really have no clue and then all the officers were asking me questions and I'm like I could not tell you yeah I didn't hit my head I just I I don't know I have no idea someone who has been like sexually and physically assaulted like honestly doesn't depend like just like a lot and there are some that I remember vividly and then some that my mom told me about later that I didn't remember some that I couldn't tell you specifics. I remember, I know that I was hit upside the head with an aluminum baseball bat when I was four years old because I walked with a girl. I can tell you before, and wow. I can remember running home, but I cannot actually put together the moment the sequence. I was actually stru- uh, stricken with this baseball bat. But I can vividly remember the boy who hit me and his brother throwing garbage at me a lot. And they would literally empty their trash cans to throw garbage at me every time I walked by their house. And then their dad would make them go clean it up out of the street, but they did not mind doing it for the delight of throwing garbage at me. And I had never even gone through it. And I remember that vividly. Yeah. Vividly. It's weird how your brain will pick up on something and something's not. I remember a childhood babysitter molesting me regularly. I remember my mom trying to drown me vividly. There was one of our neighbors that uh, apparently made me suck his dick when I was little, and I don't remember it at all. My mom told me that. She said she walked in on it. I don't remember it all. I don't remember wow. it all. Wow. 
So, like, it's weird how your brain will do that. Your brain decompartmentalizes. I remember watching someone get raped in my house vividly. There are other things that I can't, cannot put, cannot put together. Mm-hmm. Cannot put together. It's Apparently, I was around in a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like Apparently, that. I was around in, like, a stolen car for 18 hours. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Couldn't tell you. Well, your it's also interesting, like, you said... Your brain picks and chooses. Yeah, and I also think, too, like, there are certain situations, like you said, that you can pick up on, and you could have you know ha- gone through something traumatic at a young age and remembered it and then at an older age when your memory is more developed not remember what that that happened mm-hmm. you know and i think that it, it really just it's it happens with my sister and i a lot um i spend a lot of my sister one of my sisters lives here with her family like i said and i usually go uh trick-or-treating with them and one day one year we were trick-or-treating and i put my hand on her shoulder and i was like oh my god liz You'd completely forgotten about it for ten years. <laughs> like Liz and I will very my my sister and I will very frequently share memories, and like between the two of us, we have a full family history. Yeah, but there are things that she remembers I don't remember. Uh-huh. I don't remember, and she does. We're five years apart. Yeah, which is just enough in your childhood to not do anything together. Exactly, just far enough apart. Yep. Your yeah. siblings closer, but and also there's different stuff going on. Like my siblings are the closest one in ages nine years apart from me, and our lives were never in a similar place till about the end of high school, to where I could talk to her like I knew anything. Yep. Yeah, it's it, exactly. yeah. That was probably a close situation to you and Liz. Maybe it was more middle school, or maybe it was high school. Mm-hmm. But there is just that five years is such a big deal when you're eight and thirteen. It's the biggest deal in the world. But then when you're eighteen and twenty three, nobody cares. No one cares. It's fine. Yeah. And you can actually connect, but then that's all the time in the world to have completely different experiences of your parents. Your mom, you have had more time with a sober mom than she did. Like, there are certain things she that was, you're never going to have the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. She was, she was already gone, so she had to deal with probably the worst that your mom ever could have been at the bottom of, you know, the worst part she, of it. I mean, she always, like, my mom always drinks alone and at the end of the night by herself. That's a sign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comedians doing it alone. We love yeah. drugs and drink alone. It's like our favorite thing to get I like, with a notebook. Yeah, totally. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, I didn't know if you wanted to like, because um, we have to like wrap it up soon. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you wanted to like say any um, thing that's like helped you or like any, like where you are now and kind of go into I, that or just, you know, a little snippet was, at, um, just to kind of help others, you know. Yeah. yeah. Which is bullshit. Yeah. Everyone um, else can be an astronaut. Like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Precisely. Like, who cares? They're happy, I'm happy. I, and I, I think the hardest part of that, the hardest part of that for me was figuring out what my boundaries looked like and telling people that I really admired, no. Mm-hmm. And trashing the pedestal down and taking people off a 
Mm-hmm. And it, uh, all paid now. So you can include yourself. Yeah, that's great. I uh, am coming out of a really, really bad depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, last week sometime, I was scrolling through Facebook, as you do. And as you do. No. So I got up and I paced my apartment for like seven and a half hours. Wow. And because it needed it, number one. But ever since then, I've been so much healthier. Like I just felt so much better. I took every sock that didn't have a nap. Threw it away. Threw Good for you. Me. Yeah. Listen, I they're great compression socks and they have Christmas trees on them. But I no stop you from getting diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what stops him. Story or do we really have to wrap? Um, we can tied to what she just said that I'd really like to get into, and I think it's important. Yeah, you can go. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. In part of including yourself, that, and I don't know if this comment's going to make the cut because we've had a couple things. Um, in part of including yourself, you had said that you really just don't want to raise children if you can, and that's not really something for you. Mm-hmm. However, part of your story before you, uh, if we're going to go back in time before hospitalization. Part of the story of your adulthood and your womanhood and your like development as a human being is the fact that although you didn't really want to be a mother, you have given birth. Yes. And I want you to talk about that experience and what that's been like for you because you were young, you were in college, and I just really want you to uh, r- r- let us in on how that was part of your development and how important that was on your recovery. Oh, for sure. And I always am, um, I will literally bring it up on a first date. <laughs> Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. Because the conversation about adoption in this country is fucking horseshit. Um, and there's a lot of things wrong with the system. But um, I got pregnant my sophomore year of college with a guy that uh, was a very devout Catholic, and he actually lost his virginity to me. We was it the first time he had sex with when you got pregnant? Um, yes. Wow. And, like, this is petty, but, like, I got pregnant without having an orgasm. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is not what I was expecting her to say. Yeah. Like, the disrespect of all of it. The brazen uh, behavior. But I got pregnant. Uh, he proposed to me. And I was like, I'm not... I, I grew up in an area where people got married. <laughs> like, you haven't even made me come yet. How can you propose <laughs> to me? <laughs> How dare you? Oh my god, the story gets better. But, like, I just wasn't going to do it. Yeah. I wasn't going to marry him because of that. You didn't want to. Um, I had an aunt. You had a life ahead of you. I you mean, it's not the 1920s. You don't have 20? to have a baby at, I was you know. 21. Okay, 22. I yeah. 21 in February. I got pregnant on or about 420. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. It's really nice. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so You're like, it's actually a nightmare? So fresh 21. <laughs> Three white and twenty-one, as the saying goes. Um, he, he wanted to get married. I was like, I thought right. about termination for about a, for about a day, and I'm just like, right now, I don't think I can do it. Okay. Um, I could express my right to choice, but at that point, I just wasn't ready for it. Did you know that you had like two months to change your mind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't um, know how educated. There's a, how lot, educated there's a little... lot of miseducation okay. running yeah, around yeah. North Dakota. I've had an abortion in North Dakota. <laughs> a whole other podcast. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but 
<laughs> behind a tree. I. <laughs> I um. I uh, had an aunt and uncle who had yeah. adopted a child openly, and for those of you who don't know, which uh, is many people don't apparently. And and that's one of the reasons I talked. Uh, or that's one of the reasons I wanted to explain it. Um, yeah. There's a closed adoption where the parents sign away their parental rights and they don't want the records are sealed forever. Okay. There is um, an adoption, like a partially closed adoption where you can find out after a certain amount of right, time. Right, once they get aware. And then there's right. an open adoption where um, I actually went to a courthouse and had a hearing and like got on the stand and there's transcripts of me releasing my parental rights. Um, so I like I chose to do that. So the boyfriend I had so time, hard It's just so funny. Everything is like, well, in North Dakota. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you vaguely knew the people who mm-hmm. raised mm-hmm. this child. Okay. And um, we, I gave birth on January 12th of 2000, and let me check that year. Okay. <laughs> oh, four? Oh, four. 2004. 11 days before my birthday. <laughs> We've talked about this. Well, no, I wasn't born in 2004. I know. Oh, my God. I know. But just the day, my, I'm 23rd. <laughs> I know, uh, yeah, January 12th, which is also my grandfather's 85th birthday, um, Glenn Bakken. Shout out. Did you call him, or were uh, you I was busy. <laughs> but, so, I, I had him, he stayed uh. for a few days, and then, um, because of my mom's, uh, profession, because my mom's an attorney, we found out we could go a couple counties over and do the, uh, termination hearing earlier okay. rather than waiting six weeks. Termination of rights, not them agreeing to terminate the child that was already been born. Yes. Just uh, it was the, my termination of parental rights. Right. Um, essentially, yeah. my ex was notified about it. We didn't know if they were going to fight the adoption, so if he showed up that day, we would have had to yeah. deal with that. Right. Um, but I left. They His adoptive parents left the hospital with him, and I left with my family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not by myself. But okay. So he was like four days old? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That must have been and hard. Then yeah. We had the adoption hearing like a week and a half later. Okay. Jesus, that's dude. That sounds very what emotionally was, what painful. What was happening in those ten days between for you? Um, Where were you at? It. I mean, I was not great, but I. It's like I had so much love surrounding me mm-hmm. at that point because I mean, okay. Uh, not very many people would do what I did, and yeah. it's it's. I feel like I'm not afraid to say that, and I did it mm-hmm. uh, because I knew it was a thing. I wouldn't have known it was a thing unless someone in my family had done it. I did it once. Never gonna fucking do that shit again. Never gonna mm-hmm. do that again. <laughs> that's that's a one time deal. Because you have like ten more years to worry about it. So. Oh no! I, listen, if they could keep that shit out of me, oh, I'd be fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so, but you do think, like, in the end... It, it, was, it was an experience that I didn't think I had trauma surrounding because it didn't feel like trauma, mm-hmm. but it never occurred to me that it could be something that I would never question. I always knew it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Once I decided not to terminate, I started looking for families. I started seeing an adoption counselor, mm-hmm. and I never looked back. For some Good for you. For might be listening, before you process it as trauma... How would you have say that you were considering the experience at the time before you had fully processed it? How were you looking at it? I was looking at it from a standpoint of I want to finish college. I want what's best for me, and a kid deserves two parents. Okay, so good for you. You're so mature. Your original thought was very like I've made an empowering choice for me in this. Time. Your head was on yeah. straight. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is gonna sound weird, and and some people might not understand this. Yeah. But Giving my placing my child for adoption and my abortion are both an empowering experiences for me. Yeah, and did, it's did you really feel at any point in time that you were pregnant that you really could have given that strong foundational base that you would have wanted, like you could have parented the way you wanted to? No, that's why you don't. Yeah, have kids because you couldn't have done it the way that you would have felt good about it, which is a completely different thing. Well, and I <laughs> like. I like it's it's hard. I mean, it's there's no and like, it's like with everything, there's no right answer. It's a job and, you did in a five four. And whatever's right for you is the right answer. You know what I mean? But there's no right answer in in for me for one person. The best situation. I have a thirteen, a ten, and a five year old. In perpetuity. In perpetuity, <laughs> that are my sister's kids, mm-hmm. and I get to hang out with them and be a part of their life and. Have amazing stories about them that only I get to. I like I'm super 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 lucky yeah because I really do love kids I I just and I think we need to normalize women saying they don't want biological children you want kids in your life not in your house and listen just like talking about adopting you should have to adopt two kids before you have one biologically there I said it (laughs) (laughs) yeah the kids are already here the kids are all already here I'm just saying yeah, I understand that, and I think it's a personal decision, and if it's and best also, for you, it's I'm best allowed, for you. Like, and that just ties... But that just ties back to, okay. like, exactly... I'm never, gonna, I'm never going to parent kids. Yeah, no, for sure. And that just ties back to what you were saying before, where it's like, you just have to yeah, stay you true to yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to, and... and you have to call that episode, this episode, Julie Effect. Okay. It's just Julie noted. It's, I very easily see how my life could have ended up a lot differently mm-hmm. if I had just kind of gone along to get along. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine having a 16-year-old right now, Katie? Could I imagine spending all of those on Valentine's Day naps? Shopping, <laughs> shopping at all. Oh, my God. Married to a guy with a handlebar mustache. They don't have Aldi in North Dakota. That's way too ethnic. They're just getting That's out. way too. It's German. I know. <laughs> okay, so I is there... So I was going to ask you, because we're going to wrap up, like, I was going to ask you what you want to plug, but it's quarantine, there's no shows going on, but Instagram, Twitter, whatever uh, you want to plug. My Instagram is Texas with Katie, <laughs> like, the, like the song from the 20s. Okay. Um, don't really want to plug my Facebook, because my family's mad at me about it. Um, <laughs> but also, we could plug and, your um, resume, I if anybody is recruiting, listening to this podcast. 
Yeah. Okay. Are we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I would just like to thank you and your Black Lives Matter t-shirt and your rack of your rap song. Yeah. Glory Tribe US. Okay, Glory Tribe US on Etsy. They have Black Lives Matters. They are a custom print shop. They're black owned. They're from Texas. Okay. They are super awesome. They do custom jobs. Hit them up for all your print needs. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So if you all use right. their business to do a custom All Lives Matter t-shirt, we're going to kick your ass because we'll find out. Yeah. Definitely. We'll know where you got it from. All right. Well, thank you. Um for listening everybody and don't forget to rate review subscribe to doing time thanks so much for listening